Pete, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station, and we are going to embark on a series called No More Fear. Speaking of fear, I got a text. Move my balance here. I got a text from Manny, our lead pastor, yesterday. He's not feeling good at all. And if you know Maddie, you know that he's really not feeling good because he's not here this morning. He asked me if I would teach for him. But yesterday at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, okay, sure. I'll, I'll do that. I didn't know I was going to be doing that. And actually, he made it very easy for me because he provided the information and uh, all the things that God had been plugging into him throughout the week to pour out on you today. So if you're stuck with me, that's just the way it is. What is it my wife says? Uh, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So there you go. Here's my advice for the day. But anyway, we're talking about no more fear. Fear is, uh, is an emotion, of course, we understand it's very strong in certain ways. Perhaps that's why God in his wisdom designed it in such a way that about 365 fear knots in Scripture, one for every day. And it's important for us to get that repetition over and over again because as human beings we tend to forget. And so our God tells us and reminds us that I know that you forget every day that you don't need to fear, so that's why I'm telling you every day Fear is, is that insidious sort of emotion. It's invasive. It's persistent. The devil uses it as a weapon against us. And oftentimes we can feel as if we are a slave to fear. I don't know if fear is the worst thing about the human condition. There certainly can be claimed as a thing that most causes us pain before anything bad actually Happens. If we look at the definition for fear, it'll say this. A distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or imagined. It's like the appetizer to an awful event in our lives. We just, we just know that around the corner something bad is going to happen, and so we're, we're conditioned to think and to believe and to act in fear. We fear the unknown. We fear death or confrontation, failure. It's all in the future, by the way. Well, our desire over the next four weeks is to face off against these greatest fears that we hold on to or other fears, to free ourselves from a lifetime of fear. That's really ought to be our goal. Because the one thing I know for sure is that fear is worth facing. It's not worth postponing. It's not worth living with. It's not worth accepting. Fear is worth facing. For all that you are called to be, to do, to love, and to live for, it will forever be hostage to you, to us, if we do not, if we do not face our fear. As he came in this morning, we got a program like this. 
And on the top, where it says no more fear, and underneath this is the, uh, the note, fear, fear is worth facing. Well, right underneath that fear is worth facing, I invite you to write down this question. What could I do if I weren't so afraid? What could I do if I weren't so afraid? In each of us, there's, there's dreams, there's goals, there's a calling, a vision. There's a problem to be solved, an injustice, a wrong that needs righted. But because we're at times so gripped by fear, but if imagining we weren't gripped by that fear, what would we do in facing that goal, that vision, that problem, that dream? You and I, I believe, were not built for fear. I believe that our God created us for so much more than fear. For those of us who choose to make the one who created us our God, we're given the ability, promise the direction, and compassionately commanded to not live in fear. I like that. The way that we can understand God is, it's a command, yes, but it's compassionately given because he understands that we're weak and that we fear. If we look at 2 Timothy, that's uh, in the New Testament, as Paul, the Apostle Paul, is having a conversation and admonishing his protege, Timothy, he says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So, here we are, at the start of what offers for all of us a change of direction in our life. A life no longer so overwhelmed by fear. Because why fear is worth facing. And today that's just what we're going to do. It's what we're going to do every week for the next three weeks. Well, on earth what might be your greatest fear, we will read God's promised direction to us for what it means to face this fear. And we'll find a way to live with no more fear. So let's start with the fear of the unknown. The unknown is, is something that, 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 that gives a mystery of its thrill, right? We don't know how things are going to turn out at the end. Or in real life, that's why we buy insurance. Nothing wrong with buying insurance. We understand the need for it. We can make plans in life. But, but if that's just simply where we live, is in the comforts of trying to figure everything out and, and, and leave no stone unturned, then sadly we're not moving in the direction that God has called us to move. And, and for, for an example this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Deuteronomy and we are going to look at the nation of Israel as God carved out a mankind of people that he was going to use to show the world what he is like. And the interesting thing about the nation of Israel is they often failed to follow through on what God commanded them to do. That should sound familiar to our ears. And so let's take a little bit of uh, history here as uh, Israel was being held captive for 400 years by Egypt. And then God, in a miraculous way, uh, unleashed his power. And finally, uh, Pharaoh said, go, 
get out of here. And so Moses, who God appointed as a leader, got all however many millions together, and they got out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. How'd they cross the Red Sea? We know that uh, scripture tells us that God made a wall of water on either side, and so they basically passed through on dry ground. This is an amazing thing. And you'd wonder, how in the world could they ever not trust God after something like that? And then, and then of course, after all of the Israelites got across, then Pharaoh said, well, hey, we'll do that too. And they didn't get very far because God closed the water in on them. So we're going to look at Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy basically means the second law, meaning Moses was referring back to all of these experiences that this Israel family had experienced together. And he basically calls a family meeting and he helps them recall and understand something about their faithful God and something about their own behavior. And here's what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. Then, just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness as you yourselves remember and headed toward the hill country of the Ammonites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I said to you, you've now reached the hill country of the Amorites that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Moses retells the story of their God. He called them out to go and take this new land, a land that he commanded them to have, that he chose to give them, that he wanted them to occupy. God doing what God does, basically. Just like any loving father would do for his children. Doing what he said he would do. And also, like a father, he knows that in any big change, there's a possibility for fear to hold sway in our minds and in our hearts. So he adds in, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. After all, he knows, just like the Israelites, he knew them and he knows us far better than we know ourselves. Now, as much as there seems to be this huge chasm of difference between us and the nation of Israel, chasm is really not that wide. God has always sought to guide and lead his people. People like them, people like us. Why? Because in doing so, we get to know him, and so does the world. That's God's design. That's why we say that mantra over and over again, love God, love people, because that's God's Design the way in which he designed us to be, to share his love and his faithfulness. When God calls us to move forward or to move in, to do something that's so far in the unknown territory, well, just how much in common we share with the Israelites becomes very evident because this is our first response 
Let's look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 1. It starts with one three-letter word, but. But, but wait a minute. Right? But you all came to me, Moses is speaking, and said, First, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. As if to say, but, but we don't really know for sure. Let's just slow down here for a moment. So the scouts go in. They see the land is good. It's for the taking. And so they come back and they report on the worst. For in the unknowns, it's usually the worst that we assume. And after the scout reports, that's just what happened to the nation of Israel. And in Deuteronomy uh, 1, verse 26, Moses says this, But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said, The Lord must hate us. That's why he has brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. As if to say, nope, not happening. God must hate us. If he wants us to do that, he must hate us all. Or, this is unachievable. We're done. Or everything and everyone ahead of me is bigger and stronger than I. All he saw was obstacles. Even when they sought to know the unknown, it still remained unknown to them. And all they could think of were the impossibilities. The unknown had fueled their fear. And it was no longer about moving into a land God promised. It was only about their fear. And to them, whatever God had said was no longer valid or true. Whatever God once promised is now null and void. And so God wanted to do in their lives what he wanted to do, they forfeited. And honestly, as human beings... We tend to have short attention spans when it comes to God's promises and how he fulfills them in our lives. For as the unknown gave birth to fear, now fear had become all powerful. Because of the unknown, for them, God was no longer God. Fear became their God. I don't know where all of you are coming from this morning. Some of you may know some things about God or heard some things, read some things. Some of you may be and may have been walking with the Lord for a long time. No matter the place you think your relationship is with Him today, there's a good chance that all of us have been approached by those border-crossing moments like the Israelites did. It's vague, it's audacious, it's unknown, and we can be crippled by our fear. Perhaps God called you to make a change 
in your life for a priority change or to change a relationship, to change a location, a ministry. Or maybe he wanted you to change someone else's world. And it was all too little because it was too unknown. The normal thing to happen at this point is that we allow the unknown to give birth to fear. Very quickly, whatever God might have said, we feel is no longer true. Whatever God promised seems null and void. And whatever God wanted to do in our lives, we forfeit. So much fear of the unknown leads to our desire to just simply give up. We don't do what's best for us. We don't take the God-sized step. We don't move in. We don't move forward. Instead, wander. <coughs> the Israelites were put on a journey to their promised land that some estimates would say would have actually taken 11 days to complete. But instead, as Moses reminds them, they forfeit the promise because of fear. And instead, in chapter 2, we read this. Then we turned around and headed back across the wilderness toward the Red Sea, just as the Lord had instructed me, me meaning Moses, and we wandered around in the region of Mount Seir for a long time. A long time is a nice way of saying 40 years. 40 years they went around in circles rather than the proposed 11 days to get to the promised land. But there's an answer. An answer to the fear of the unknown. There was then, and there is today. And as much as we might feel the need for it to be a to-know kind of thing in our lives, the need to know, the answer is a lot more simple and at the same time a lot more difficult and complicated to maintain. Moses offered the Israelites the cure for fear. The answer was just simply to remember who it was that was leading them forward. And as the report came to Moses, he declared, verse 29, But I said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of him. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how the Lord your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his children. Now he has brought you to this place. But even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. He calls all God's people together so as to say, do you remember? Have you not heard? Have you forgotten who our God is? So then, let me remind you of your God. He is the God that goes ahead of you fights for you, that cares for you, 
that brings you into the lands that he promised. Your fear, our fear, rules us if it makes you forget your God in the big and in the small things in life. The key to living without fear of the unknown is not knowing the unknown, but the one who knows the unknown and the one who knows all of us. To know him means to be told and reminded of all he has done for us, all he has cared for us. This is why God's impact on humankind over the millennia is so important for us to grasp. It's why Moses retells the story, and it's why we are discussing it here today. To know him means to experience him for yourself, for ourselves, here and now. To place our trust in him and see him come through. And to be surrounded by others on that same journey to encourage each other. To see and realize that we are not where we are today by mistake. But that even today, I believe, he's brought all of us here, whether we've heard it for the thousandth time or the first. To know him means to know what he has promised us. What he promises for our life and what he doesn't promise for our life. And what he promises, moreover, for our eternity. That he's going to fight for our souls. It is why we need not fear. But we can always respond to the choice God puts in front of us. And that choice is to choose faith instead of fear. The journey away from our fear is the road toward trusting our Creator, our Sustainer, and our God. It is the choice of faith in Him. We will always have the unknowns. Remember what Jesus said in John 16. You will always have trouble in the world. That's Jesus. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Our call is to trust our Creator, our Sustainer, our God. And it is the choice of faith in Him. Every week here at Epiphany, we strive to make sure that our conversations are completed with some sort of application. The application of what God says to be true implemented into action and life. And so our first step toward no more fear is simply to choose faith in our Father God. Faith is all God has asked every one of us to do. All he desires, all he needs to take the position in our lives that stems the tide of fear and pain. Faith is no small thing or easy. It's a choice. It's a discipline. But it's also a gift. It's not something that we can just conjure up enough courage within ourselves. No, no. We seek 
to ask God, Lord, will you give me faith for this fear that I'm dealing with in my life? It rests primarily on what we cannot see or who we cannot see. On the past, in the present, and in the future. And faith is already something that you have chosen to place in something, maybe, mostly in someone. You place your freedom from fear in all sorts of ways without knowing the outcome. You and I place it in knowing the unknown. We place it in, in plans and preparations. We place it in, in security. And again, we understand that we make plans in life, but it's, if, it, if that's all the farther we go, it's just as much as we can see, and what's beyond the boundary we can't see, God calls us to go beyond that boundary. God calls us to do sometimes what we consider dangerous things are bold things, beautiful things, plans that he has made, stepping into the unknown. That thing you wrote down earlier, the thing that you would do if you were not afraid, it's right there. Just on the other side of your choice to trust God with your fears. So that when you do what you were called to accomplish, you do it with the God who knows, God who guards, who guides, who protects, and who celebrates your choice toward faith rather than fear. I invite you to take a practical step this week if we all do this together. Encourage us to open up a Bible. If you don't have one, as you're exiting this morning, grab one from the welcome desk. Turn it to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Read it with a friend, read it with somebody at home, your small room by yourself. Read it daily for a week. It's called the faith chapter. And then ask yourself some questions. What is faith? What does it look like? How do I pursue it? How do I choose it? What we have here this morning is, is a chance to start or restart toward the goal of living a fearless life. The 11th chapter of Hebrews begins this way. It says and describes faith. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. As the music team comes forward, and as the prayer team will come forward very shortly, we are here to be able to come alongside you if you have prayers concerning your fears, the desire to let go of those fears and trust God with those fears. So our prayer team is here desiring to pray with you. We'll be singing together. We'll be recognizing that God is greater than our fears. 
And, and the thing struck me as we were singing earlier and, and talking about Jesus going to the cross. And, and, and of course, in, in a few short weeks, we're going to celebrate the, the height of the Christian faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I thought to myself, back to the crossing of the Red Sea, and, and we, we might look and say, well, those bald heads, how come they couldn't figure it out just to trust God? And it, it, it suddenly struck me that, you know, I'm a bald head often, because if I really believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead and historically we have that evidence, why am I not trusting God? with some of those unknowns. Can you pray with me? Lord, we, we don't need to fear telling you anything because you know it all anyway about us, about our greatest fears. You just simply desire that we would have a tender heart to come to grips, to face our fears, to recognize that we can't overcome them, but you can. Lord, infuse in us the reality of your power this morning. Help us as we face our fears. Amen.